Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We sure do talk about songs. Welcome back to episode 213 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. I'm here with the fandiferous Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Why, hello, Sarah. Can you hear my heart saying hi? Uh, Usually, yes. (laughs) I I just assume that's what your heart is doing. Uh, So, folks, I hope you're sitting down because we are talking about a musical theater selection today that Mark (gasps) brought to the podcast instead of a guest or as is weirdly more usual given her stated um, hatred of the genre by Sarah. So Mark, what are we listening to and why? Okay. So uh, yes, for those of you who don't know, the bulk of my professional career has been spent working in the theater. I went to theater school twice, both for undergrad and graduate school. I've worked as a theater journalist since 2003. I really think about the theater constantly, yet as Sarah just pointed out, how in over four years have I never brought a musical theater song to the table? Well, it's kind of like how uh, the, my friends who are costume designers don't watch, don't watch Project Runway, because they're kind of like, yeah, I know, it's work, I got you. <laughs> but the other day, I was listening to a variety of songs, and then this song that we're going to talk about today shuffled up, and I found myself lizard brain crying meaning i wasn't even really paying attention and i was still crying to uh about the song because that has how deeply it has affected me and i thought well that's a good reason to talk about a song with sarah so today we are talking about the song ring of keys from the musical fun home uh and that is based that is a musical written by uh lisa crone who wrote the lyrics and janine tesori who wrote the score Uh, It won the Tony Award for Best Musical. It was also the first musical written entirely by women to win the Tony for Best Score. Um, I can't... I think that maybe Cyndi Lauper won for Kinky Boots before, but this is the first all-female team to win the Tony for Best Score. Um, And it is based on Alison Bechdel's graphic novel memoir, Fun Home, in which she recounts her life growing up in a funeral home, which was one of her family's businesses, with a father who was gay, as she herself was realizing she was gay, and then eventually her father committed suicide and she became a lesbian cartoonist. So this is the topic of this musical, and uh, that's not very sunny, but it is incredibly beautiful, I think. And uh, Ring of Keys is a song that happens when young Allison, because in the show, let me back up, Allison Bechdel is played by three actresses in Fun Home. There's adult Allison, medium Allison, who is in college, and then young Allison, who at the age of eight or nine is just starting to learn who she is, that she's just starting to get that glimmer of awareness that she's queer. And so this is the song Ring of Keys that arrives when she is in a luncheonette with her father and a butch lesbian comes in. And Allison, young Allison, has a moment where she realizes, oh, this is the adult that I am going to be. And uh, the song is then performed by the young actress on the cast recording. It's a young actress named Sydney Lucas. 
Uh, and uh, this is what it sounds like when she sings Ring of Keys about this butch lesbian who lets her see herself for the first time. In this whole luncheon net, why am I the only one who sees your beautiful... No, I mean... Handsome... Okay, Sarah, I'm already getting emotional. So um, I think I'm going to, before I launch on to any sort of longer monologue, I'd love to know, uh, you just read the graphic novel but have not seen the musical. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your experience of this song. Um, the the graphic novel I tore through in like a morning. Um, it had been sort of in the house on my shelves for ages. Um, the musical is one that my cousin um, saw. She was in town for like five days and she managed to see this show like every day but one. Um, she's about the same age as Alison Bechdel. There were sort of, um, there were sort of, um, echoes of her like trying to her trying to come out to her parents sort of at the turn of the 80s and how that was going my aunt and uncle are both ministers so (laughs) didn't get off to a great start they they brought it back around but let's leave it at that um so reading this I was sort of like uh, you know looking at it through the lens of how much this uh story in all of its forms, has meant to my cousin, who I'm quite close to. And the economy of language, I mean, it's it's really like a, a sad story steeped in rue. And um, there is this economy of language in the text that I think um, I think this song picks up that... Um, like there's a sequence in which uh, she's talking about when it was spooky at the funeral home, like at night or over mm-hmm. the weekend. And uh, the sound that the filaments of a space heater would make and the way they seemed to suggest um, like spirit seances of the Victorian era. But she does it in like six words and just like a little drawing of a space heater with like movement lines and her economy as a writer and an artist is like, I just kept writing things down and then pouring over them in my notes. And I think ring of keys is, uh, I don't actually recall. I remembered this series of panels in the book and I don't recall if the ring of keys was like a, a focal point in the book. And I could go back and look, I guess. But that image is, um, it sort of boils down 
everything that um, lets Bechdel uh, like create atmosphere um, and uh, but like that it's so it's so elemental and yet it's always she always selects the right elements. Yes. Um, and so this this song, though, I think comes down to which like rendition of the story. I feel like this is one of those um, stories that like whatever version of it, whatever medium you saw it in first is the one that you're going to imprint on. Mm. And having imprinted on the book, uh, the song the song doesn't quite transport me. Mm. Um, I, I think I'm like a little, uh, I'm like trying to intellectualize it too much, but there is, I mean, like the, the singer is talented, but it's like, there is a little bit of this, um, staginess, like in the beginning of the song, you don't really hear it in the clip you pulled, but like the, I feel, uh, like, I mean, it's like, it's not badly done. It's well done, especially for a very young musical actor. But it's, it just felt a little like, uh, I I don't know, like not, not on brand with the book. So that, that did not work for me. Um, but this, I, I don't know, like the, the song works, on an intellectual intellectual level for me, I understand why it is built this way. I have no real kick with the performance, but it does not transport me the way it does you. Uh, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that I am not queer. So there are depths to this that are not necessarily available to me. Um, and another is that I had just read the book. And so like the imprint was too strong of that. Right. Um, and a third reason I think is that this is maybe not, I don't know, like if I had been, I'm not familiar with the musical, but if I had been picking, um, a sequence that I, that I thought was really like this, um, emotionally evocative, um, and particularly poignant point in the narrative, it wouldn't necessarily have been that scene, which is um, played rather circumspectly in the book. But, uh, you know, what I don't know about this story and this experience and the musical is a lot. But I, okay, clearly we uh, uh, have diverging opinions about this song, but I think it's a lot of, for a lot of the reasons that you just said, because of I saw the musical three times, for instance. Right. But I love hearing your responses to it because, I, again, it's that's why this show is so much fun because you don't come with the same baggage that I'd come with when you hear this song. And it's like, it's the song is a different song for you. And that is great. Yeah. And I can totally see why you would have those responses. Um, uh, Mine are very different. <laughs> so I will say that for me, uh, the first time I saw this musical, I think I had read the graphic novel like a week prior, but this has been like six years, so I can't exactly remember. But um, right. the I was astonished that Lisa Crone and Janine Tesori, but Lisa Crone, I think mostly, 
teased out a song like this from that throwaway moment in the graphic novel. And to me, it was a moment of just the genius of uh, artistic translation, where you realize that the musical theater form needs things that the graphic novel form doesn't need. And one of those sure. is a chance to go deep inside the emotional life of a character. And, uh, well, that's not true. Obviously, all stories need that. Sorry, I'm talking out of my ass when I put it that way. But it's like being able to use the song to articulate emotions that the character cannot express in any other way. Like, what a perfect moment, I thought, for this. Because I, I guess that, for me, one of the things that makes the song so moving is that we all, queer or not, I think, have had a moment in a, as children when we saw an adult who seemed to be flashing a beacon to us for the place that we wanted to end up. And even if it was just a moment of someone walking into a restaurant, you know, there's just someone in our lives who pointed out the people, the person that we could become. And um, oh, I just think it's just such a lovely thing that she turned that into this song. And for me, interestingly, I actually was floored by the fact that uh, young Allison can't find the words for what she's trying to feel at the beginning. Because what I just said about the song is meant to articulate what characters can, cannot otherwise express. She actually kind of, Lisa Crone kind of undercuts that here because this is a traditional I want song in a way, but this character is too unformed in her identity to be able to know what she wants. She just knows there is wanting but she cannot define it. And so this yeah, goes back no, to... Yeah, no, what the yeah. song is trying to do, I think it does. There's just like, you know, child actory shit going on that I just don't care for. And yes. And won't, <laughs> and despite I, the skill with which it's done. That's that's all it is. And all I can say is, and of course, I, I mean, I'm sp it's, it's I'm speaking from memory at this point, but... In the room, in the moment of performance, Sidney Lucas was so good. And, you know, it doesn't really translate on the Tony Awards broadcast that I have rewatched recently and was like, oh, no. It's like, it, but in the space, somehow she didn't seem like a child actor. She seemed like an actual human being. Like, this was, there was something about being in the room with that performance that made me completely buy the emotional confusion that I understand 100% could not could conceivably not translate when you're just hearing it on record. Like I yeah, totally exactly. get why you're like, this little kid is like, this is the part where I go, um, <laughs> yeah. Eh. And it's like, okay, the, like, it's not that it's not good. There's just like a precocity to it that like, if you aren't in the room, that's the whole suspension yep. of disbelief of the theater and the sort of contract that you have with the theater. Totally. That it will transport you. Um, hopefully <laughs> well and you know what's so interesting is of course i hear this recording and it's just basically for me um it is a oh it's a simulacrum of the live experience that i had and so what i'm really remembering are my feelings of being in the room with this performance and feeling like right, this is one exactly. of the best child performances i've ever seen yeah so so the structural stuff there, I think, is really exciting. And I just love also the simplicity of saying, I know you at the end. And this gets me to the deeper point of just for me as a person, why this song is so meaningful, because how rare is it for a queer person to be given the opportunity in a fictional narrative to be innocent? And there's just this innocence to 
her knowing who she is. And I just remember seeing this little girl and I just obviously remembered myself as a little boy and thought about all the other gay, lesbian, queer people. You know, you don't, when you're trying to understand who you are, you're not political, you're not sexualized, you're not a, a, a tool in any sort of culture war. You're just a kid and you just, you just know that something is happening. And to have this song treated as something beautiful and to be able to see that this little girl just she sees this butch woman and she's like you're beautiful I mean handsome and like even in learning to describe it she's starting to learn herself and like I just yearn as a gay person to have my humanity reflected to me without it being filtered through the lens of politics anger all of that that inevitably happens um as you're an adult. And um, I just have never seen another moment in the theater in my life where I felt like a, a kid was able to just be an innocent queer kid. And um, there was nothing. And knowing... I will say about the performance that when she corrects to handsome, that yeah. uh, sort of dawning smile, that, that joy as she's like making that distinction right. is really great. It's like, I think the best part of the performance. Yeah. And there's no irony. There's no postmodern intellectualism on it. There's no, like, it's just like simple and innocent and lovely. And um, I, yeah, that thing about handsome, it's just like, it's just, it, it's so um beautiful in the way that it just lets this unseen butch woman also just be herself and be celebrated. And I also really love the way that Lisa Crone writes in this whole luncheonette, why am I the only one who sees you're beautiful? There's a difference there. If she had said who thinks you're beautiful, that's like offers the possibility that the, that the speaker might be wrong. You know that I think you're beautiful, but I see that you're beautiful. Like that's Lisa Crone, I think, as an adult, also using the voice of this younger character to provide dignity to the adult. And, uh, whew, it's just like, yeah. You there's know, also the fact yeah. that, like, unfortunately, this is a true story, so there's not a lot they can do to, um, <laughs> like, gainsay this. But they're, like, it's not a trope. But like that sort of the punishment of the queer character, the the martyrdom of the queer character. Like this is a, you know, this is a trope of standing that right. you have said many times before that you're like, I'm over it. Why can't the queer experience just be instead right. of having to be a lesson or a stalking horse or a tragedy? Why can't it just be in all of its dimensions here, like it, it, you know, due to circumstance, like you can't really revise the story so that that trope is removed because it's not a trope. It's right. Her history. father actually did step in front of a truck. Right. But then, um, Bechdel's and this musical's ability to, um, sort of, have it have not have it both ways because that's sort of snarky sounding but like to do both to to show that like value neutral innocence about what the character is seeing alongside this um tragic untimely demise and i think that that is why it's different here because 
the tragedy is often part of queer life. It just is. But then it, there's well, more a part of to life. it than that. That's the point. So yeah. it, it's yeah. hard to strike that balance, I think, sometimes. And like, so, right. And in this show, there is the balance of, well, there's tragedy, but there's also innocence. And then there's there's the thrill of love, which you get when medium Allison is in college and falls in love with a woman named Joan. There's a great song about that. So, yeah, it's just like the 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 give me a more complicated picture of queer life so that if someone does meet a tragic end, if someone does meet a tragic end, that's not the only thing that happens. It's like not just there to make straight people feel uh, bad or whatever. It's just like, that's one of the many things that happens. And this show really gets at a complexity of queer experience that you don't get very often. And it does it with good songs and astonishing songwriting. And I do want to add Lisa Crone had never written a musical before this, and the fact that this was her first time out of the gate with these lyrics, I mean, holy shit. Yeah. Um, I would I would like someone to revive that so that I could see it. Um, yeah, I mean, there are sort of things that... There are things about the sort of quest for identity in a story like this that are universal, certainly. Um and I was relating to the story on a lot of levels, even though the queer mm-hmm. part of the experience is not mine. Um, but it, yeah, this, you know, this song is like, it has to, it has to do so much work also. And for me to sort of have, you know, just read the book and then be listening to this song, it's sort of like, you know, again, I'm a little bit abstracted from it because yeah. I'm both impressed by the book relatively recently, but also aware, um, just from a structural standpoint, of what this song is meant to do and must do and apparently does do. So maybe I just needed to listen to it another five times, huh. but this is well, where you- I'm at with it today. So. But I also, I'm also realizing in this moment how tricky it is to talk about a song like this because this is not a song that can really stand alone from the story. It's like somewhere from West Side Story, which we've talked about on the show. That is a song that makes sense as a single, if you will. Ring of Keys only really makes sense in the larger context of all of the songs that come before and after it. So to tease it out and have this be your like one thing that you've heard, that's challenging in terms of it's like really disconnecting the experience from the overall intended experience of the artwork, which I think might be now I've explained to myself a little bit why I don't bring a lot of musical theater songs in here also, because they like we would have to listen to the whole musical. (laughs) Who's got time for that? Right. Well, unless it's one that's like sort of more, it's like bringing in poor Judd is dead. Like, well, okay. I mean, first of all, that song is really not good. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Judd is dead. Is dead. Like, mm. oh, oh, is this a dirge? I think I get it. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's, that's also a good point. I actually found it helpful to interact with the Tony performance because there was that bit of like, lead up like explanation for the folks at home from the show in that performance. And it was like, Oh, there's Cerverus. There's adult Allison. Here's, here's the framing and here's how they costumed her. Like just listening to it out of context. Wasn't, wasn't like sort of taking me anywhere. Right. In the way that the book did. Um, But yeah, I mean, 
like whatever you think of the song, whatever you think of musical theater, I cannot recommend this book enough. It's definitely one of those that you're like, as a writer, you just put it down and you're like, like, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that, but this exists and that's good enough. Hell yes. That's it a really, good day. That is so true. This graphic novel, I laid it down and I thought, damn. Like I, it, it was one of those moments where I, I do remember thinking I could never do this and I'm so glad I got to experience it. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, there's a, there's like on page 91, she's talking about the smell of, um, flower arrangements and she, what she gets done in four words. Like I, I'm actually getting emotional just thinking about that. Like I put the book down and I was like, that's so good. I want to kick something. <laughs> like, yeah. What can you do? So, I mean, here's where I'm, here's where I come out on the song. It made me finally read this book that I've been meaning to read for years. And I think that, I don't know, like, I think that it made me think even more about this wonderful story and about how stories of the queer experience are told. And, you know, like I said, that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, um, listeners, if you have heard Fun Home, uh, I, I think we would both love to hear your thoughts on it. And if you haven't and you like musicals, check it out. Um, yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you for uh, going with me on my first ever musical theater voyage in this show, or at least the first musical theater voyage that I have instigated. Well, um, I hope that my response, um, unlike Bechdel's description of Christopher Street in the late 70s, <laughs> did not smell of urine and electricity. <laughs> it smelled of electricity, but not urine. Let's say jasmine. Yeah, there you go. and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkAndSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, TalkAboutSongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash mastass. Thanks for listening.
talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.